0: Hello and welcome to the Providence Journal Pick and Pop podcast. We, uh, we have a little bit of background uh, noise today, but it's more, I call it more theater, a little setting where, uh, this is Kevin McNamara of the Journal with Bill Koch. We're at, uh, have a little lunch here in Warwick, it's a busy time of year uh, with uh criss-crossing across the college basketball landscape, but Bill and I certainly wanted to hook up for a uh, a well-deserved and busy podcast. Yep, we're uh, live on
1: location today in Warwick at one of my favorite uh, favorite establishments. It's over by the airport. That might be able to narrow it down for some folks. Um, you know, certainly a place where you know, I spent many a night uh, while I was living here uh, in, in the post-college days. Um, Kevin, fresh back from Omaha, a late night last night, but
0: uh, arguably one of the most dramatic of the season for the Friar. Now, Ed Cooley said after the... win at Creighton. It was the best win of the season for obvious reasons. Number one, just a game Providence really needed to have to uh, polish up its NCAA tournament resume. And uh, it's a road win. And road wins this late in the year against a team that's in the top 25, still hanging on somehow in the top 25. Uh, Actually, I take that back. They are 27 in the RPI right now, the Creighton Blue Jays. Kind of sinking fast at four and five after the injury to Maurice Watson. So Providence has, has a good chance here to close out the Big East season. Bill with three wins, uh, they have the easiest schedule of a jumbled middle of the Big East, and all of a sudden the world is. Kind of out there for the Friars to grab. Yeah, if you looked
1: at their last four as a group, you would have figured that that this would be the toughest one. Uh, you know, going out to Omaha, it's not an easy trip. Um, you know, you're playing in that sold-out building, very, very loud. But Providence has had some success there. Uh, they won a game there in a Chris Dunn shot, sort of a, a dying quail, a couple of years ago, uh, very late. Um, you know, managed to uh, you know to do something similar last night from another point guard who who has emerged as... You know, this team's heart and soul, that's Kyron Cartwright. Um, you know, just a big, big three pointer there, Kevin. And and you know, honestly, about halfway through that possession, I was worried they might not get a shot. Mm. They they passed it around a little bit. Uh, you know, Emmett Holt got it in the post, got double teamed, Isaiah Jackson sort of split through a double team and looked up at exactly the right time, saw Kyron Cartwright open and, and you know, After Kyron made that shot, he was pointing to his left arm, and, and it looked like he was saying to his teammates, I have ice in my veins, fellas. <laughs> Give me the ball, and I'll carry it to the
0: finish. Well, you know, coaches like to say, Bill, that cut uh, through all the baloney about you know screens and sets and defense. Basketball is a make-or-miss game, and I can only imagine the Friar fans howling today if Cartwright's shot misses or the Friars don't get a shot off because Ed Cooley, quote, didn't call a timeout. Bobby Knight had a great line about: Should you call a timeout when you get a defensive rebound with, you know, 15, 16 seconds left? He says, why would you call a timeout? That's why we practice, you know. And this time of year, you just turn on the TV, you see all these close games. I can tell you right now, this is what teams are practicing here in the final couple weeks of the season. It's it's situations like last night and it's free throws, because that's what decides close games and in a make or miss sport. Kyron Cartwright made Providence's 12th three-point shot. And, you know, with the defense that they're playing, Creighton came in, by the way, leading the uh, Big East in field goal percentage at 50 and averaging 79 points a game. That's in league game, so that's in, against pretty good competition. And Providence held them to 44% and just uh, 66 points. So Providence's defense really has been the key the last couple weeks. And then you combine that with 12 three-point shots, They're a dangerous team. Yeah, appropriate that this one ended on a three because Providence came out
1: on fire uh, from beyond the arc and and then sort of rediscovered it in the second half. 12 for 24 from three, like you said. Um, You know, they only had 21 field goals in this game. More than half of their field goals from deep. Um, You know, and, and, and you also look at, you just look at this lineup. I mean, you guys like Emmett Holt, who came off the bench a couple games ago, he gets to start last night, comes through with 18 points. Uh, he's making shots from the perimeter, he's re- uh, working hard inside. Um, you get a guy like Rodney Bullock who, who got into foul trouble very early in the second half, but he was still productive with a double-double. Um, they're just getting contributions from a lot of different players right now, and, and I think that was always going to be what this Providence group needed. You, didn't, you weren't going to have anything approaching the star power you had last year with Chris Dunn and Ben Bentel. but it he said from the start of the year, those guys are gone. The more we talk about those guys, the less progress we're going to make with this group. And and these guys really look like they've grown together into you know, just a very capable basketball team at this point.
0: Well, it's a balanced offense right now that is hurting the opposition. They can't load up on anybody. The guy you want to load up on is Cartwright, but his speed and quickness, he, he's just a tough guy to contain. And last night, once again, he had 10 assists. Uh, is as dangerous as any point guard in the league. Maybe Jalen Brunson from from Villanova would, would would earn the edge, and certainly will be a first team all league guy. But I think Cartwright has played himself into maybe a second team pick in the Big East, which is pretty impressive, considering how far he came from last year, where he was a true understudy to uh, to Dunn. Um, a little bit more on the Friars. So th- their their tack here down the stretch is they will host Marquette on Saturday. DePaul next Wednesday, and then go to St. John's to wrap up the Big East season. And with seven Big East wins, uh, I think Bill and I w- would agree that at minimum they need to win two to get to nine and nine. Ten and eight would make them a really good-looking team heading to the uh,
1: to the Big East tournament. Well, Saturday is a big swing game, obviously. Providence and Marquette are in similar positions here. Uh, you know, they could both win. A- they could both use a win against each other uh, at this point. You know, for Providence, you, you look at their resume, their RPI is in the low 50s, um, you know, and, and really sort of dragged down by, by three of the bad losses that they have. Uh, the losses to Boston College, DePaul, and St. John's at home, who was in the hundreds in the RPI. Um, you know, those really, really hurt. But if you look at what Providence has done, and, and this is what the committee will do, Kevin. We, we have this discussion all the time off the air. Uh, we have it every March. The committee is going to look at who you've beaten. Because the teams in the field are going to be top 50, top 100-ish type teams, generally. Um, And those are the sort of at-large teams that they want to let in. Providence, with the win last night, now has nine top 100 wins this season. They only have 17 total, but nine top 100 wins. That's the sort of thing that if you're a committee member... Bill, Bill, to interrupt, I think it's six in the top 50, which which is a big number. And and if you're a committee member and you're having that discussion on a Sunday and and you're debating Providence against, say, whatever other team. We'll we'll use some later on
0: as examples. But those nine top 100 wins are really going to stand out. No, there's no question. Uh, The differentiators are slightly different for all ten people on the committee. Um, but who you beat and where you beat, where you played are probably the two most important. Uh, obviously, when it gets down to nut cutting time and it's Providence and Wake Forest and you know California, then you can go even deeper if they all look alike. you know, have the same amount of top 50, top 100 wins and you have to pick one out of three. And that's when maybe Providence's bad losses or maybe low number of road wins. Lack of non-conference strength to schedule, which was poor. Yeah, can come in and get you. Um, but, you know, we'll see We'll see what happens uh, down the stretch here. Again, a big win for the Friars last night at Creighton, but there is a lot of work left to do because, you know, they dug themselves a pretty, pretty deep hole. And uh, winning your home games, I think, is mandatory right now. That would give them nine Big East games, um, Big East wins. And then you go to St. John's and see if you can avenge uh, what was one of the tougher losses of the season. So uh, certainly the Friars pointing in the right direction with uh, the most important road win and maybe the most important win period on the season. Uh, that sets up a really important Saturday, uh, probably the most important Saturday around here of the season, with Providence playing at uh, 4 o'clock uh, at the Dunkin' Donuts Center as a sellout uh, from what I understand against uh, Marquette. But two hours earlier, down the road in Kingston, uh, an even bigger game for the Rhode Island Rams when they will host the VCU Rams. And Bill, I I just wish I could be at both games. I I can't. Uh, Looking forward, I would imagine that game is on that NBC Sportsnet. Uh, if it's not, I'm going to find out where it is because uh, before the uh, Marquette game, I will be tuned in. ESPN two will have the broadcast. Oh, I've heard, I've heard of that one, so I will
1: be able to track it down. You, you get that one. I'm sure they get that one in the media room at the dunk. Yep. Uh, but you're right. It, it for URI to have any sort of at large NCAA chances, this is an absolute must win. Um, you know, and, and I think they've, you know, they've played themselves into a situation here where they can get themselves a double bye in the Atlantic Ten tournament. Um, you know They're, they're going to have a top-four seed when they go to Pittsburgh. Um, but in terms of, of what they're trying to do with NCAA chances, beating VCU, who is a top-50 opponent, it's the type of win that, that Rhode Island's resume is a little
0: short on. It's an absolute must on Saturday at the Ryan Center. Well, let's talk about uh, the three games that they have down the stretch here. They'll go to St. Joe. Is that Wednesday or Tuesday? That's a Wednesday night. It's Wednesday and then finish up next week uh with Davidson at home. Uh I think we are in both agreement that they cannot lose any of those three games. Correct. Uh in order to, you know, keep the at large uh chances alive. And you know, I think that the 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 common refrain here is that the Rams have to win these three and get to the A ten finals, which would necessitate maybe a win over Dayton or VCU in the uh A ten semifinals. Uh again I'm not ready to go that far because we have so much time and important games between now and then but Uh, That could be the path, and maybe because of the things we talked about, the Rams have a very good RPI right now, uh, kind of where you need to be uh, inside the 50, Uh, but the top 50 and top 100 wins is really where they're lacking. Just three top 100 wins for Rhode
1: Island, and and a lot of that is a product of... uh... You know, the conference schedule, you know, teams like, uh, you know, like St. Bonaventure and, and George Washington maybe slipping out of the top 100. Uh, LaSalle, who they beat Tuesday night, 67-56, to 56, uh, it, it was a win that, that both helped and hurt their cause at the same time, uh, you know, because LaSalle was right on the fringes of that top 100 and that's going to kick them out and lessen their chances of finishing there. Um, but I think, you know, more importantly than anything else, Rhode Island just has to play well here down the stretch. And they played very well on Tuesday. Uh, they held the salad of 36% from the field. Uh, Jared Terrell finished one off his career high with 24 points. And, and he really looked like that sort of emotional, physical leader uh, that this team has lacked at, at certain points this season. Um, It was really aggression at both ends of the floor, both offensively and defensively. It was sort of that physical, imposing blueprint that when Rhode Island is playing very well, that's what they stick close to. You
0: know, Rhode Island right now reminds me of a team in the Big East, Seton Hall. They play very tough. Defensively, they're a factor in every game they play in. They just lack the offensive explosion to blow people out. And that's not a negative. That's just the way that they play. That said, they're going to be in every game, and it's going to be tight. And because of their uh, veteran uh, experience, like the Pirates, the Rams can grind out those victories. And I, I can I can just see I can see Rhode Island going to Pittsburgh and winning. That really that, that that's I think that's the avenue that uh, is going to play out. And certainly, uh, you know, again going to the finals, getting one more big win in Pittsburgh. Uh, could do it as well. But I, I can tell you right now, uh, Ram fans, Rhode Island is going to be one of those bubble teams that everyone is talking about in the last couple of days leading up to Selection Sunday. Uh, it, it's going to be tight. Well, because they have left their work here uh, for late. Um, you know, the non-conference
1: chances that they had early in the year, Houston, Valparaiso, Providence, teams that are all inside the top 100, games that they could have won uh, but didn't. You know, those are going to be games that are going to hurt them. Uh, the home loss to Fordham is going to hurt them. Uh, the home loss to Dayton is going to hurt them. Uh, it has a cumulative effect. Uh, they're, they're individual events, but when you add them up on the resume at the end of the year, it has a cumulative effect. Um, you know, that's not to say that if you flipped even one of those results that this would be different. Um, you you still need to take care of your business here down the stretch. And and if that includes beating VCU on Saturday and then beating a VCU or a Dayton in the A-10 semifinals to make it to the championship game, that's probably the best avenue they could take but because of their inability to take advantage of some of the opportunities they had early in the year, it's now razor thin, and they've done that to themselves. And, and realistically, if we look back at the end of the year and they don't make the NCAA tournament, we'll be able to look at it and say they had every chance and just didn't take
0: advantage. Well, and there's one other item that, that is really... A significant hurdle for the Rams and that's just the relative weakness of the A-10 this year. You know, you look at the last five, six years, if you're the third team in the Atlantic 10, and I think we would agree that right now the Rams are the third best team in the league, uh, you're in. I mean, it's really not Not you don't have to sweat all that much, but there's just not that many top 50 top 100 teams out of the Atlantic 10 like there's, there's been in previous seasons. And, uh, you know, that's the bulk of your schedule you play 18 league games a couple more in the league uh, that's when you should be able to pad your schedule with the type of victories we're looking for and they're just not out there this year the A-10 has one win
1: over a ranked team this year and that's Rhode Island over Cincinnati and that was you know way back in November Uh, there haven't been any others not by Dayton not by VCU not by anybody else and and you know we understand the rankings don't equal the RPI. They don't equal Ken Palm or, or the BPI or whatever other metrics you want to use. But the committee members are going to look at that, and they're going to say, "Look, this conference is seventh or eighth in the RPI. That's where they're going to finish." Um, you know, and and. How many of these teams, after Dayton or VCU, really pass the eye test? And they're going to look at a league that hasn't really performed as a collective. And with the bubble being as diverse and and as soft as it is this year, they could use that opportunity to punish the A10. Or,
0: or, you know, again, I'm spinning it positively. If the Rams can beat VCU on Saturday and then get VCU again in the semifinals, then you could say, Hey, wait a minute. You know, we played VCU twice and swept them. Uh, and those are the type of chips that Rhode Island is looking for right now. Just some, some things when the committee sits around and really breaks down Rhode Island. Say, wait, wait, wait a minute. You, you got to look at these positives too. We know the negatives, but there's some positives with this with this group as well. And you know, let, let's dig deep on those and see uh, see what the Rams uh, how, how they weigh out against everybody else around the country. Uh, lastly, um, tonight actually uh, down at Wagner the Bryant Bulldogs uh, who all of a sudden have played themselves into some position in the, in the Northeast uh, Conference. A win tonight at Wagner. And Wagner uh, is ahead of uh, Bryant in the standings and likely to get one of the top four buys very coveted uh, buys in next week's conference tournament. Um, Bryant will uh, play at Wagner tonight and then host Central Connecticut in the season wrap-up on Saturday, regular season wrap-up. If Brian can win both, uh, Bill they would have an opportunity, anyways, to win some tiebreakers and, and get one of those top four in the NEC. Bryant's a, a really interesting
1: team, as we've talked about all year, because they can score, which means they can beat just about anyone. Um, they also don't defend very well, so they could lose to just about anyone. Uh, but if you look at their splits, they're two and thirteen away from home. Now, a lot of those were, were non-conference games, where they were bought by high-level opponents. Uh, you know, they played at Gonzaga. Um, you know they played at Northwestern. Uh, they played at Ohio. Uh, you know they got checks for all those games. Um, but they beat Wagner in Smithfield, uh, and Wagner and Fairley Dickinson were, were both considered, you know, sort of the co-favorites in this league. I, I know Miles St. Mary's has emerged as, as the one seed and, and probably the team to beat going into the conference tournament. But Bryant owns victories over Wagner and Fairley Dickinson. And Mount St. Mary's, for that matter. They beat them very early in the year by one point. Um, you know, so there's no reason to think that Bryant couldn't be a dangerous team once they get into the NEC tournament. The big issue they're going to have, though, is they can't be playing two and three games away from Smithfield. Just just based on that road record and the way that they've played away from home this year and the youth on this team uh, that does most of the heavy lifting. They cannot be expected to win two or three games away from home under that sort of pressure.
0: No. Nope. So we'll uh, we'll get a better handle on uh, what Brian is looking at in the NEC uh, tournament next week. Uh, really, after tonight's game against Wagner. So we wish the uh, Bulldogs well and uh, the Friars and the Rams this weekend. And uh, Bill uh, March, I can see it. It's it's on the horizon here. It's only only a week away, and uh, we have a couple teams in position to go to the postseason, so it should be an exciting stretch drive. So uh, everyone enjoy the games.